Hey, welcome everyone. This is Keenan over at Lateral Limits. So we're starting our new podcast entitled uh, Cheap Therapy. Uh, so the idea for the podcast really came from my wife. She's really been pushing me to start something like this because she really feels like I thoroughly enjoy hearing myself talk. Therefore, other people must, which in retrospect, all that's probably going to happen is I'm going to listen to my own podcast on repeat on my uh, commute. So uh, basically what we're going to try to do is I'll start every week, hopefully with a new guest, uh, but for the most part, I'm not going to have a co-host or anything. It'll basically just be me, preferably with some sort of guest uh, who has a different niche. The idea behind this podcast is going to be more or less, I guess, giving men, and not necessarily just men, right, but you know, people more or less an outlet. Uh, but the main focus is going to be as men, we really are forced to sort of bottle up uh, our emotions, right? Uh, we, we, we're told to sort of man up, you know, growing up, uh, something would have happened to me, I felt bad or sad or whatever, whatever the case may be. I was always told, you know, hey, just you'll be all right, man up sort of thing. And, and, and as men, that can tend to take its toll, right? Uh, we tend to bottle up our emotions, not really talk about our feelings, things like that. And I'm not saying that this is all the podcast is going to be about. It's simply just me rambling on about how I feel about certain things and and the like. But more or less, it's going to be just me talking to different different people, different walks of life from all sorts of different angles and and viewpoints. Uh, I'm going to primarily focus the first few episodes, most likely, is going to be sort of like entrepreneurship. Probably going to bring in some, some hunting guys. You know, we can talk about different different aspects of, you know, chasing whitetails and and hogs, things like that, as we get closer to closer to whitetail season here in Texas, among other things, right? This will be a very broad sort of podcast that I'm going to be shooting into here. Uh, but for the most part, like I said, so especially for this first week, uh, it'll just be me, uh, you know, uh, kind of sort of talking about my journey uh, as we started uh, our shop here in Garland uh, and what sort of led me to certain decisions that I've made up to this point. So, like I said, so that'll be the first The first week uh, will basically just be me. I'll probably do a couple episodes just kind of talking, like I said, about that that journey from start to finish, from where we are, uh, where we began to where we are now uh, here at the shop at Lateral Limits. All right, so that's sort of the introduction, I suppose, towards this first week here uh, for, the, you know, our new podcast. Um, I guess, essentially, let's just kind of dive into sort of uh, entrepreneurship and, and I guess what what took me to where we're at now i suppose definitely the first the first thing that really happened was when i, I mean i moved to texas and i was obviously working and had you know obviously came home talked to my wife about certain things about the job and i had some really cool ideas and and things but obviously no one's willing to run with your own ideas like you are right uh, so I talked to her about some frustrations and things, and I had some really cool ideas, and no one seemed to want to listen. And and so she finally just sat me down. She's like, look, Keenan, we obviously, we obviously moved here for a reason. Why don't you start some sort of business? Like, what is it that you want to do? Uh, sort of, it was kind of sort of like a nut up or shut up moment in my life. And my wife really pushed me to, uh, to figure that, figure that out. Now, the next stage of entrepreneurship is probably the most important, and honestly, this is where a lot of businesses and business ideas tend to die, is in 
right after that oh shit moment, the the moment of like figuring out like okay, what can I do? It's the sort of it's the sort of next step that really uh, tends to make or break things, right? So it's the whole like you have to get past the talking, I'm tired of talking about it stage as a business. This is what's most important. So what a lot of people tend to do in this next stage, after you kind of figure out, okay, I want to open my own business. What kind of business is it that I want to open? Once you sort of get past that, it can get sort of tricky. So the stage that essentially follows the whole, okay, here's what I want to do, the next stage that people tend to do is you're going to call all of your friends and your family members and say, hey, I have this really cool idea, right? I have, I found this niche in the market, and I think I want to open my own business. What a lot of people tend to do is you tend, I think, uh, is you tend to overvalue the amount of people that say, yes, do it, right? Because you, you'd be so surprised. A lot of people, they... They, when they talk specifically about like market values and I guess supposedly like, you know, like you, 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 you plant a seed, right? You, you want to see, or I guess you can throw some bait out there and you want to see how many people will bite at it. So a lot of people tend to overvalue, like for example, you post in your community Facebook or something like that saying, hey guys, I have this really cool idea. I want to open um, a tailor shop or I, I want to start selling custom made uh, leather leather apparel or boots or belts or whatever. I'll be honest, man, 90, probably 90 to 95% of people that are going to comment on, on it saying, oh my God, that's such a great idea. Uh, you should definitely do it. That's what our community needs. So much of the people that are going to be like, oh my God, do it. Uh, so many of them are never, never going to step foot in your business. Now, I suppose what I'm really trying to get across is not not to be like a negative Nancy and say that these people will never patronize your business and things like that. I just don't think you should overvalue the, the opinions of these sort of people that you're throwing, you know, bait to, to, to try to market your business and see how well it could potentially perform in a certain environment and things like that, right? But what I really think that you should focus more on is the actual negative people. Now, when I say that, it sounds weird, but I thought that when, you know, like, for example, when I was in this stage of my business, I thought that the people that were like, ah, Keenan, I don't think it could work because this or because of that. I think I valued the negative opinions more just because it gave me more uh, information than just, oh my God, dude, you can do it, get after it, take over the world. Because, and I'm not saying, like, again, I know, I know it sounds, sounds terrible by me saying, like, don't value the positive inputs of your, of your family and your friends. I just think that, or just anyone in general, I just think that the negative opinions that you're going to get probably have more value because it gives you things to work towards. Like, for example, I can say, hey, I'm really thinking about opening my second location in Little Elm, right? Let's just say, for example, Little Elm's really growing. Uh, it, could, it could potentially be a really good business maneuver for me. 
Whereas I can, you know, obviously I've garnered enough business here in Garland that I could very easily open a second location pretty much wherever I want. And I'm, I'm fairly certain that it would obviously be successful because of how different we are as a company. But what I'm saying is if I throw some bait out there in like Facebook groups of Little Elm, or obviously I know people in Little Elm, a lot of people would be like, oh my God, do it. Uh, yes, you need to do that. You need to do this. You need to do that. Obviously, definitely do, do, you know, do it. You'll take over the world here. But it's the amount of people that would be like, no, you shouldn't do that. Um, they already have, you know, prominent gun stores here, which I have no idea if that's correct or not. I'm just saying, or I could be like, hey, I'm thinking about opening my second location in Little Elm at this address. Whereas enough people could be like, wow, Keenan, I really, I think it would do well in Little Elm. However, at that address, you know, the five o'clock traffic is terrible, Right. Or it's right across the street from a very busy daycare, right? So parking could be an issue. So I think you need to value more on the negative opinions of people. And not necessarily just negative. It could be more of like uh, uh, progressive input. You know, uh, Keenan, you know, I think it could work here, but try, try moving to this location. Or, you know, at the hours that you're going to be open, you're going to be, you know, fighting for parking with this company or this or that, right? So a lot of, a lot of decisions go into, obviously, opening a business. And I think that the more input you get, whether it be positive or negative, like I said, positive, negative is great. I mean, positive, negative. I, I suppose positive input is awesome, as long as there's some sort of context to it, right? So you can value this positive input that people give on you or give you as long as there's some sort of context, right? So if I say, hey, I'm opening my second location in Little Elm, Texas, everyone and their mom can be like, oh my God, Keenan, that's a great idea. But again, it's the people that are like, well, Keenan, I think it should be here. Or have you, have you thought more about Waxahachie instead? Waxahachie's in the same sort of realm. It's really growing. Maybe you should look into that instead. That sort of input really helps out when, when you are sort of garnering interest toward your business. But like I said, this is sort of the stage where you're sort of talking about it. It's in this stage that majority of businesses sort of die, right? Because you talk about it for so long, and just like anything else in the world, right? You know, like a, a, a quick story of a friend of mine, when we joined the Marine Corps together. Uh, now he's an officer in the Army. Um, but we joined the Marine Corps at the same time. But he was older. He was like, because uh, I was like obviously 17 when I signed up. Uh, he was probably 25, 26. He already had a bachelor's degree and everything. And so I asked him, I was like, why are you joining now? And he's like, honestly, dude, I just got tired of talking about joining because he's been wanting to join for so long that eventually it just got to the point where it was so monotonous that, you know, he just talked about it and talked about it and talked about it. And like I said, it's kind of sort of in this stage of business that, it sort of just dies out. You know, you get, you get tired of talking about it to the point where it just get, becomes really stagnant. So once you can push through the talking about it stage and start looking at leases and understanding laws, requirements, licenses, tax, you know, getting a tax ID, starting an LLC, signing a lease, once you can get over that hump and you actually start looking at properties and things like that, that's when everything will really start coming together. All right, so uh, figuring out what it is you want to do and where it is you want to do it, 
I guess the biggest thing from this big, you know, ramble on about, you know, whether it be positive or negative input is don't let, don't let the people that are just, you know, inflating you or your ego, I suppose, like run with that, right? Because like I said, and and it sucks, but like, honestly, like I've literally looked at posts that I've done, you know, before we opened or a couple months out or trying to sort of garner, garner the whole interest in, in the gun store here in Garland. Looking back, dude, like I, I can look back at, at all the posts that we made. And after looking at all of them and seeing all the people that are like, oh my God, it's a great idea. Um, like one post that I think we did uh, got like 200 some odd comments, like, you know, before we opened and everything. Yeah, I think like maybe out of those 200 people that commented, five or six actually came into the shop. So, and mind you, we, we, we turned two years old next month, right? Literally in a month, which it's crazy uh, how fast time flies. Like I said, uh, don't focus too much, whether it be the positive or the negative. You know, you can have a lot of people that are like, oh my God, you know, for example, if you want to open a nail salon, if you make the mistake and try to post on Facebook about trying to, you know, follow your dreams and open a nail salon somewhere in Texas, I guarantee half of the comments are going to be super negative saying how your respective city doesn't need more nail salons, right? Uh, Or, you know, something to that avail. Don't focus on that. Focus more on, okay, if there are a lot of nail salons, obviously there's a reason for it. There's a demand for it. And why is it that I can't jump in there? Why can't I? What do I need to do to set myself different, right? And that's really the most important thing because... If there's one thing that I've learned over the last two years of having my own business, it's that, it's that if you think you have an original idea, you probably don't, right? So the, the biggest thing is like, what can set me differently, right? So the hardest thing is getting someone to pull themselves away from a business that they've shopped at or, you know, you know, been a customer of for X amount of years. How can I pull them away from a business that they've been shopping at for 20 years. Is it through products? Is it through services? Is it through pricing? Which I'm not really trying to focus more on the price aspect of it, right? So running a cool discount or focusing solely on cheap sales, you know, it's a race to the bottom sort of mindset is not very good, especially for small business. So running a sale gets me a one-time customer that comes into my shop that shops one single time which is, I mean, I guess it it could help depending on what sort of business you're in. But most of us want, obviously, repeat customers, right? So the way that you can combat that is not necessarily, I mean, obviously you can have good pricing, but it doesn't have to be the absolute bottom of the dollar because most people are more inclined to shop with a smaller business, even if it costs them a few dollars extra, you know, marginally, obviously there's a certain number, right? And that number can be different for everyone. For example, Amazon's not going anywhere, which when I first decided to open my shop, there was a shop that obviously, and I'm not going to say any names, but there was a shop that I did go look at, you know, obviously, uh, but that was when I was looking more, I guess, on the other side of Garland, which I guess could drop a hint as to who they are. But when I went and go look at that shop, it's not a huge shop, but I was in there for 45 minutes and then asked someone 25 minutes. It took someone 25 minutes to ask me if I needed something. And it wasn't like a, hey, bud, do you need some help with something today? It was like a, can I help you? You know, like a very stern sort of like I was bothering him sort of mentality, which I didn't appreciate, obviously. But 
but I did go in there to buy something. You know, I'm not the type of person that can go into a small business and not buy something. So I did, I did look into buying something. I was going to get a light for, I have an MP5, right? So I was going to get a little light for it. Now, granted, the light that I wanted uh, was priced on Amazon for like $125, which guys, listen, it's 2022. Amazon's not going anywhere. I can't defeat Amazon on price for the most part. I mean, some things obviously you can, but for the most part, you really can't. Uh, but what I can defeat Amazon in is obviously customer service and timeliness, right? So I can give you instant gratification. I can give you the product right now today. You can leave with it and have it in your hands as opposed to waiting one to two days or, you know, some stuff is like same-day delivery or whatever with Amazon now, which is cool. But there's obviously a number that people are willing to pay. Like, for example, the light that I wanted sells on Amazon for 125 Right? Some people might be inclined to pay 150 to 160 even to get that, you know, that, that product today. Some people are like, no, 125 is 125 I'm not willing to pay more. And that's fine. Uh, some people are a little bit more inclined to pay a little bit more for that product if you can leave with it today. And then obviously they can you know, support a small business or whatever. Uh, the light that I wanted at that shop was like 200 bones. Right? Obviously... <laughs> that's that's not a number that unless you absolutely need that specific product right now, you're not willing to pay that much marginal difference in a small shop versus, you know, obviously like whether it be Academy or Amazon or this, that, and the other. So understanding that there is there is a number that most consumers are willing to pay, that is going to be the first step in sort of trying to figure out that number. And then obviously you can play with margins. So I think the last thing that I'll probably end up covering in this, uh, I guess in this first episode, is sort of um, something that most people don't really want to hear. And the the way that I look at uh, funding, I guess, for your small business is going to be a lot different than uh, someone like, let's say, Dave Ramsey, for example. Most people will always say, uh, save up, right? Save up X amount of dollars. You need at least X amount of dollars. You need to be able to pay all your bills for six months before you start a business and in that. There's so much that goes into that, guys, and I don't want you to th- fret so hard on the money, which obviously money and paying bills means more to some people than others. But what I'm telling you is you'll never have enough money in your life savings, right? You'll never have, you'll never be you know, have the least amount of debt for you in your mind to be like, okay, now I'm willing to, to take the risk and leave my full-time job and, and all this other stuff. There, there's different ways for everyone, right? Some people can say, okay, like obviously it's really hard to get a, like an SBA loan right off the bat for a business that doesn't even really exist yet. So that's when you can look into like crowdfunding, right? Which a lot of people are into the whole GoFundMe thing. That's not how I really chose to do it. Uh, I was very blessed and we sold our home in Louisiana, which I owned outright, which we're extremely blessed to to have that opportunity where I didn't need a loan. Um, Basically, I just had a a self-loan, I suppose. But to other people, it may be different, right? You may actually have to take out a, a loan or a line of credit or... You know, if it's a smaller business, not really like a retail business, like let's say maybe you're looking into whatever your business is would be like for services. You can open up a line of credit. You can uh, take out a credit card. Whatever it is that you need to do, what I'm saying is just do it, okay? You'll never have enough money in your savings account to feel safe to where you can say, okay, I cannot 
you know, I have enough money saved up to where I won't have to pay myself for a year because that'll never happen. What's going to happen is you're going to start your business, you know, two months down the road, your air conditioner compressor at your house is going to go out, right? Or your, you know, your, your evaporator coil uh, is going to go out. Your alternator goes out in your truck. You, you, your wife catches a flat. Now you have to pay for two new tires. Whatever it is, you're never going to have enough money saved up to where you can totally live completely scot-free and not have to worry about paying yourself. You're never going to have enough in the bank to feel comfortable. So what I'm saying is take the leap. Just jump, right? So it depends on where you're at in your life that, you know, obviously you need something. You need some sort of nest egg. You know, like I said, we're very blessed. Um, You know, my wife is a huge supporter of mine. For the first year or so that we were open, I did not collect a, a paycheck at all, not a dollar from my shop. Now, during my first year or so of business here, I did actually have a job as well, which really helped uh, as far as like having some sort of income for myself, not relying 100% on just my wife. I mean, it wasn't a whole, whole lot, but, you know, the, I did have a job, which I'm extremely thankful for, um, for, you know, that company for really helping me out, the Cedar Cove. Um, they really helped me out during my first year or so being open. I mean, because uh, I, was, I was working basically remotely here at the shop for them while still running my shop uh, and, you know, working after hours and things, which sometimes it does require that sort of sacrifice to, you know, work uh, 40 hours for someone else while working 60 plus hours on yourself and on your own business, which sometimes if you don't have the complete support system or, you know, if your spouse can't completely pay the bills by themselves, then sometimes that is something that you may have to look into as well to help you guys make ends meet is having a full-time job while working for yourself. Every dollar of profit that I made, I did reinvest back into the business. So I did not, and really I didn't have really employees except, you know, Trevor, uh, Trevor worked with us uh, a little bit. I think during my first year, maybe like about the six month markers when Trevor joined with us, So really for the first six months, I had no payroll expenses at all. So all of the profit that I was making from the business went straight directly back into the business. But again, uh, my situation is going to be a little different than everybody else. Everyone's going to be different here. Uh, My wife was, uh, with what she made, uh, we were able to pretty much, you know, pay for all of our bills. Uh, We didn't really live a lavish lifestyle during that first year, and we still kind of don't, but we're a lot more blessed now. But... I have a great support system at home, and I think the support system is exponentially more important than having enough money in savings, than having enough, you know, people backing you, so say, right? Having a great support system, and whether it be a financial support system or just overall, you know, just emotional support system, when you get home, someone can actually listen to you. I think that is way more beneficial to a small business owner than having a bunch of people follow their business Instagram who just rant and rave over whatever it is that they're posting for the day. And like one major thing that I wish someone would have told me when I first opened was uh, don't worry about spending money. Okay, the money's there, which I guess is a very weird way to look at it. And most of you listening are probably like, wow, this dude sounds so damn entitled for saying that. But what I'm saying is, like, I had X amount that I, you know, took from, you know, to start my business startup, right? I had X amount of dollars. 
and just like what I was saying earlier, you'll never have enough money saved up. You'll never, you know, you'll never have enough, never have enough, never have enough, which I didn't listen to my own advice when I first opened, you know, like I made sure that I had some obscene amount of money in my business checking account at all times. And I was so afraid to spend that money because I, for some reason, thought that at any given time, my business would just incur some outlandish, like $25,000 expense which obviously doesn't happen for a, a retail store, right? It's different if you run a, uh, a, a truck driving company and all of a sudden your, your Peterbilt needs to be serviced and it's going to cost some, you know, some crazy amount of money to, to change a transmission. That's completely different, right, depending on what sort of business you're in. But for me, I had so much money that I did not want to spend. Whereas if I would have just taken that money and invested all of the money from the beginning as opposed to holding on to a, a good portion of it for no reason other than having just some sort of safety net. Um, if I would have just taken the money, completely invested, and you know, completely diverged myself in the business itself, I think my business would be even more successful than it is now. And I use that word success very, very lightly. Uh, one thing that you'll never hear me say out loud is, okay, Keenan, we've made it. Because I, as a business owner, thoroughly believe that the minute I start accepting, like, okay, lateral limits has made it. We are here. There is no need to progress further sort of mindset, right? Because as a business owner, I feel like if you think that you're successful, you're going to lose that drive, right? You're going to lose what brought me here in the first place. I'm going to lose the want to uh, basically move forward in that business and in my life. And after that, what's the point, right? If, if I think I've made it, then in my mind, I've made it. And I'll lose that momentum, I suppose, uh, would be the best word to describe it. I'll lose that momentum going forward and I'll become stagnant. My business will become stagnant because I myself have think we've made it to the top which I never obviously want to believe. And I do apologize. I never really meant for my first episode to go 25 minutes. I was trying to stay more around the 20-minute mark, which I'll kind of start making some closing remarks here for episode one of the new podcast. But essentially, I guess the thing that I really want to purvey the most is don't worry so much about what other people have to say. And if you should take the account of anyone, it should really be those uh, that are most close to you, right? So un it's unfortunate, but it took me this long to realize the value of the input of my support system, right? Uh, my wife and her input in my business has become so substantial, and she's really become my confidant over these last, you know, two years of my life. I come home and I, I propose a problem, which my wife's not really a business person, right? She's, for those of you who don't know, she's, she's an educator. And she thoroughly, I mean, she loves what she does. But it's crazy how someone, sometimes you just need someone with a vastly different uh, output in life, right? Someone who just ha can, can basically just turn away from the way that you're looking at something and the way that they can look at it is completely different. So my wife and I obviously see things at vastly different points of views. 
she looks at a lot of things emotionally and I tend to look at things a lot more logically. Whereas if I propose her with a problem, you know, say like, hey, for example, um, I'm looking at a, getting a new location. I'd really, I really don't want to stay in Garland, for example. I'm looking at it a, as a logical point of view, whereas she looks at it more emotionally, where it's like, well, you should stay relatively close to Garland because, you know, the citizens of Garland and my, my customers for the last, you know, for now the last two years, you know, they've paid my bills here. So who am I to walk away from those people who have taken me into their lives, you know, as a business, shopped with me, spent their hard-earned money with me, who am I to walk away from that? And it makes sense. Right, and I'm not saying that that's what I wanted to do. I'm just saying that sometimes having a support system, like my wife, for example, having that support system that can that can basically turn off and turn away from the way that I look at something and look at something vastly different. Sometimes the answer to my problem is staring at me in the face, but because of my skewed point of view, because I've been looking at that particular problem for so long and trying to figure it out, sometimes she can come up with a solution in 10 seconds. Right, so having that great support system in your life uh, means infinitely more than crowdfunding. Infinitely more than getting getting uh, support from whether it be the media for your new business or anything like that. Have, guys, having a good support system means the absolute world, and I cannot stress that enough. So that'll kind of be my closing for uh, this first episode of our new podcast, which we've uh, very cleverly entitled "Cheap Therapy," because again. Uh, this podcast is made more for, for, you know, people who have issues in their life and they can't really talk about it or, you know, if they have questions on things. And I'm going to try to bring in a lot of different people from all sorts of different walks of life. It's not going to be really more of like a niche sort of podcast. But obviously listening to my podcast and, and my problems in life and obviously our, you know, our guests that we're going to bring on is, is a lot cheaper than seeking professional therapy, right? Uh, but there is one thing that I promise I will close out every single podcast with every week, and that is going to be the suicide and crisis lifeline. So literally, uh, guys, if you're experiencing something in your life that really, really puts you in a dark place and you you really think about it uh, and you, you really believe that your life would be better off uh, if it were to end, I promise you it's not. You know, uh, guys, everyone struggles through things. We've, we've all experienced a lot of trauma in our lives, unfortunately. In the last couple of years, it hasn't been easy on anyone. But I do tell you now that if you are experiencing something and you really do believe that taking your life is going to be the best option, I promise it's not. And I strongly urge you to call the Suicide and Crisis Lifeline. Literally, you can dial it on your phone. It's literally 988. Dial 988. It's now active uh, across the United States. It's the Suicide Prevention Hotline. It's a shorter phone number. It's so much easier. Just 988. All you have to do is call it, uh, and someone will be on the other end to listen. Uh, Just listen to whatever it is that you're going through in your life. So I promise, guys, every single episode of this podcast, we are going to end with that um, suicide prevention hotline because obviously that's really what this is all about, man. It's just just understanding people and problems and and trying to get through you know these last few years of life together. That's literally the whole premise of this podcast, and and that's really what we strive to do is is to make you know try to make the world a better place, yeah.
So again, guys, thank you so much for listening. This is our first episode of our new podcast entitled Cheap Therapy. Uh, it's hosted by myself, Keenan. I'm the owner of Lateral Limits. We're a very unorthodox gun store in Garland, Texas. If you'd like to swing by, our address is 5219 Broadway Boulevard. We're in Suite 103. That's Garland, Texas, 75043. You can call us or text us at any time if you have any questions about firearms or anything or uh, 972-836-0565, and our website is www.laterallimits.com. Thank you.